0: This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to the Door Report.
1: At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a coaster, and enjoy the show. The music city is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. no strings till the comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. In this crazy town.
0: Welcome back into The Door Report, episode 241. I am Will Byram, alongside my co-host as always, Trevor Hewlin. It is a lovely Tuesday evening, October 3rd, 2023. Here at The Door Report, we are powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you are a first time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Middle Tennessee area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615 967 8623. Or you can reach out to Corey via email at CoreyPerkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R E A L T R A C S dot com. Trevor, we have a beefy. Episode 241 for the listeners out there in Commodore Nation, a rough week, another tough weekend for Vanderbilt fans. I'll ask it immediately here in the intro, right after I read through what we're going to get into today. The vibes to me are down, but we have to get into our understatement of the millennium. We'll get into your full vibe take in one sec, but we got to give a little roadmap to what episode 241 is going to hold within it. We have five-star reviews they are back we have some great five-star reviews from tdr listeners out there can't wait to get into those and get your reaction to some blame i read one of the reviews ahead of time because it was very long to make sure that it didn't have any inappropriate language within it and i was getting blamed wait do we have haters i i was getting no it was it was Yes, a little bit. Oh, We're, like Dion, we had haters out the womb.
1: We've been getting a lot. We've been getting a, a little bit of hate on the uh, on the
0: Twitter sphere. You're, you're doing something right. You're Dude. doing something right if you're getting a little bit of hate. But we have the five star reviews. Those are going to be entertaining. We'll go right to those after we have our uh, first ad break here. But we have the Missouri recap to get into. Mostly me and Trevor's reaction to the Vanderbilt loss, thirty-eight to twenty-one. Very close to my prediction of thirty-eight to twenty. We have me and Trevor's three key takeaways from the loss this Saturday, moving Vanderbilt to two and four on the season, 0 and two in conference. We also have a very brief and quick Florida preview, three keys to the game, and our predictions. But, Trevor, I said I was going to ask, how are the vibes? Deplorable, despicable,
1: down bad, atrocious, hellacious, hellacious. I'm in Dante's seventh ring of hell right now. Somebody tweeted at me if I'm in a uh, if I've turned into a gnarled tree yet or if I I never read Dante's Inferno. But to answer your question, I'm both. I'm a gnarled tree and whatever else uh, poor Dante got turned into in the seventh ring of hell. Um, we're in a really bad spot. We're in a really bad spot. I'm begging for Vandy Hoops. I want Vandy Hoops to save me so bad. We called it the purgatory report. We're past purgatory. Episodes. We're in hell. I think
0: this might be purgatory, and this Florida game might be the best example because I think Vanderbilt has an opportunity to compete against the Gators <laughs> in the swamp this Saturday. Hope <laughs> reigns eternal, baby, or does it?
1: Don't let the haters hear that because uh, uh, dude, all we're blasting is that hopium across the internet. Then they, Hey, dude. Hey, dude. What about us predicting that we would start 6-0 and even though we didn't? Jesus Christ. What about that?
0: We had the opportunity, Vanderbilt had the, we did not even predict that first off, but second off, we, we were said like three
1: and two, <laughs> I,
0: I think I had them at five and one and finishing at seven and five. I had us losing to the Kentucky game
1: winning, but against but all we
0: said was this feels wrong to predict like four and two, five and one to start out the season. Yeah, we prefaced. However, if you were a Vanderbilt fan, not looking at that schedule and saying there's a possibility of going five and one or six and zero oh, to start this year. Then go ahead and go burn all your black and clothes back and ah, black and gold clothes out in the backyard because you're not a Vanderbilt fan. Yeah. The first six games of this season, theoretically, before the year started, should have been winnable. But Trevor, Absolutely. we have a lot more to get into on episode two for 41. But before we get into that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Door Report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on itunes spotify and google podcasts and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and a review on itunes emphasis on the five star reviews we want to start bringing back the five star reviews each episode now dropping weekly but trevor it's now time for breaking news all right trevor we are back. Episode 241 just ran through a lot to get into on this episode, but the most important part of this episode, the five-star reviews from the dogs. So let's get into oh, it. Oh, right? oh, 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 oh. All right. First one from Eggplant Emoji, Water Emoji. Oh. And tongue emoji. Oh. Subject line. Grittiest podcast out there. Not what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> the review goes the best vanderbilt podcast there is if the guys on the field had half the grit as the tdr podcast and the rabid fan base we might actually win some games love it ps go cowboys hashtag cryagles cry Ooh, hey later.
1: hey hey who's for no bozo tush push made you cry false start every time not true lane johnson he's, he's, he's timing it perfectly with the snap no ball untrue no, um, fault.
0: yeah, untrue, but <laughs> opponents are also lining up off sides, so there's two sides that is to every, true. There's two sides to every coin, they are false starting. There is not a true, this is a random note not Unre- true. unrelated to the tush push. Okay, this is not as related to the tush push. There is a huge problem with tackles false starting, not Lane Johnson, though. Everybody, okay, else I'm but not, not, not talking Johnson. about the Eagles anymore. We're off. Okay. topic. I'm just talking about in general across every team, tackles are false starting and moving prior to the snap on like half the snaps in NFL games. And they're not calling it because they want to reduce quarterback sacks in the NFL and want to reduce quarterback injury, but it's a problem. And it's getting absurd to where like the casual fan is like, what the hell is this?
1: Like my mom pointed it out during games. She doesn't care. They're allowing it. Everybody to do it except for Gunnar Hansen. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> except, except for the Vanderbilt for Commodores. Gunner Hansen. <laughs> yeah. You're, you better stay fucking put. dude. <laughs> All right.
0: Gunner, they're coming. You better watch that ball, Gunner. (laughs) I am a little sick today, so I'm a little loopy, like sore throat. Just got back from Seattle. Trevor, the goat, the king, picked me up at like 1.30 in the morning from the Nashville airport. Got to sleep about 2.30. I'm on Pacific Time. Still was in Seattle just long enough to get adjusted to Pacific Time. So a little under the weather. This is a real gritty podcast, so I'm glad that first five-star review Included the word gritty. Don't like to toot my own horn. But yeah, toot. To, more gritty than this. Gritty. All right. This is the one I was referencing at the beginning of the podcast. And I talked to you about it before we started recording here, Trevor. <laughs> you can't read the rest of the uh, subject line, but from Blake underscore F, I think I know who that is. And I, I think you will once the review starts. Uh, the subject line is They bring the funk. And kinda dot dot dot. Can't read the rest of the subject line. I wonder if that's the end of it or the rest of it. you can't click into it. Oh five star review. Shout out. Thank you for the five star. Dog like oh. underscore F. Oh. Uh, forgot to thank eggplant emoji, water emoji, tongue emoji. Oh, also, also oh. dog. Oh. Uh but all right, here is the five-star review. Trevor's chaotic tweets randomly started appearing on my Twitter timeline. So I figured that I would check out the podcast and see if and see if he is as gritty as he claims. In short, the answer is yes. He has 10 out of 10 grit. Let's go. That is complemented by the power of the stash. Shout shout yes. out. I want to shout out. I believe this is a Vanderbilt grad because he used the correct form of complimented with an E and not an I. Oh, horribly I know who fr- this is. Horribly frustrating grammatical error traditionally.
1: Offensive lineman then yep. unfortunately moved to tight end, yep. but.
0: And he goes on to say, "This is a longer view, so lock in." As a former player, I certify him as the unofficial spokesman for the doors. Oh, oh I, agree what, with that. An I love that. what
1: an Can honor! What an honor! I accept wholeheartedly. Thank God. All right,
0: next and next paragraph. Will's tweets also appeared on my timeline, <laughs> ripping a cig and drinking cold ones at the tailgate.
1: That's Wh- my favorite memory of you so far. Is just I just come over and you're just like hunched over in a, in a lawn chair, just ripping, ripping
0: cigs. My girlfriend, ex girlfriend now, but girlfriend at the time, furious at me for being hammered, <laughs> and I'm just ripping cigarettes. <laughs> It's fine. That's the main reason. I just remember X...
1: going into the tent and there's just like dudes just ripping darts everywhere. I I'm don't like, even s- I, I don't I
0: don't even smoke cigarettes. I don't I smoked about I smoked a pack that day, dude. It was brutal. <laughs> but ripping a cig and drinking cold ones at the tailgate like a true SEC fan is a power move. However, if you care about the program at all, you will abstain from attending the bachelor party during the UNLV game because history tends to repeat itself. That was you. That was twice. And you're I the official
1: spokesman. I, it's, I'm in the I'm in the
0: wedding I've, party. I've been to zero. In ba- the wedding party. I have not been to any I'm bachelor parties.
1: I, I'm not blaming you.
0: I'm just saying I don't know why I'm getting strays. I, I think it even, was you, actually. I didn't go to a bachelor
1: I think, party. I think he's talking about you. I, I didn't go to I didn't go to a bachelor party.
0: we here, Blake underscore F. I want a handwritten I, go, I, a, I want a handwritten go. apology, Blake. <laughs> you think I'd do that? Hell no. All right. He said, uh, "Overall rating from a washed up player: grit, ten out of 10.
1: Ooh, i don't like that blake <laughs> dog
0: oh, 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 oh 10 out of 10 and will's decision to go to a bachelor party one out of 10 <laughs> asterisk trevor's decision to go to a bachelor party twice
1: both their ulv losses both it's i'm never going on a bachelor party during a vanderbilt football game ever did time stamp this clip this it's never happening we had, never again. we had
0: to record even if, like, TDR was ending tomorrow, we had to record this episode just so I could respond to these heinous and false accusations. <laughs> I feel like Trevor Bauer almost at this point. Oh, gosh. Was that a bad reference?
1: No, I mean. All right.
0: Shout out Blake underscore F. Dog. Dog. <laughs> All right. there we go. Next up, G Barks 24 Oh, T-
1: shout out George.
0: TDR lives rent-free and voluntary. Dot, dot, dot. I'm assuming that's volunteer fans or something Heads, like that. Heads, Any, yeah. And he, the five-star review, it's another long one. It's a beauty, says, The continued trailblazing success of TDR has created an identity crisis of sorts out east in the village of short, well-fed, and elderly folks, otherwise known <laughs> as Knoxville. TDR is so gritty. The takes are so electric. And the Vanderbilt fan base has been reignited to the point where Chad Withrow and Tony Basilio were forced to hold a town hall meeting where they were reduced to tears after viewing the transformative Lot 2 tailgate from Week Zero. This is true. This This is is true. These are straight facts. This is certifiable fresh. The folks in orange checkered overalls start sweating whenever they hear the Clark Lee intro and the music starts blasting. The mere (laughs) sight of Trevor Hewlin and Will Byram on YouTube has resulted in many broken televisions and smartphones across eastern Tennessee and in UT alumni bars throughout the state. Every time a UT fan hears the phrase TDR, flashbacks start to set in of the Patton Robinette jump pass, the carry spearhead on on Cordero Patterson, Tyron Lawrence's buzzer beater, and Jermaine Neal's killer crossover and three-pointer. Volunteer Nation can't handle the TDR smoke. No. Dog. That was electric. Oh, that was oh, an electric oh, review.
1: Oh. Oh. That was a great dog. review.
0: All right, we got uh one more here. We're going to go with Dorks. <laughs> Subject line just grit. Yes. Just grit. Starts out all ca- the the entire review is in all capital letters. But
1: <laughs> I love it. Gritty.
0: Yes. With a ton of T's and a ton of Y's. <laughs> grit. Tyron Lawrence is back, baby. Our right? Be there in lot two. Trevor's insane. Let's ride, Commodore Nation. Anchor down, Trevor. A lot of it. A lot of insane comments. A lot of insane comments.
1: You know what, man? You just got to embrace it. This. I'm. I'm in my. I'm in my. Uh. I'm in my authentic self era, is what I'm gonna call it, dude. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just being me, baby. I'm just being me. Feeling
0: fired up after the five stars Don't, and, me, it, and it, me getting blamed for your sins.
1: That I, I Commodore Nation, I do apologize for that. Shout out Nathan. Shout out Dominique. Their wedding is October thirteenth on a Friday, Uh coming up very soon. I'm gonna pick up my tucks in the, in, a, in a few days. I'm very excited, but yeah, doors. That was uh, that was my fault. Not that that game was my that fault.
0: loss is fully on Trevor.
1: That I accept responsibility. That was it. On is me. what it is. Yep. All right, Trevor, I think that's
0: all for five-star reviews. We're going to get into a very brief Missouri recap. If you want like a full play-by-play recap, go subscribe to Vandy 24-7. Robbie does a great job of giving kind of a a true play-by-play recap of all the key plays, timestamps, what the score was. This episode, because we also have the Florida preview, is going to be a majority just our reaction from the game. Because if you're listening to, Listening to TDR at this point in the season at two and four and oh and two, you're probably a diehard Vanderbilt fan and you probably watch the game and aren't too worried about getting a play by play recap. But you also
1: probably don't want to rehash it because it's just it's painful. It's just yeah,
0: this is one of the few games Vanderbilt really just got beaten this season up and down the field the the chart whatever the deep analytic metrics of of winning per play or whatever the hell stat that is that i don't even buy epa i think it's a lot of bullshit
1: but oh do you really i'm a big i'm a big analytics guy i do agree with you though no i i'm a huge
0: stats guy i i am i do think they're definitely skewed i'm a massive stats guy that's why i'm an anti- sports fans being stats guys because stats can just be manipulated however you want to manipulate. That's them. very true. That's how pro
1: football focus. That's all they've done.
0: That's how stats work. That's how finance works. Hate to bring it to you. That's how banking and accounting works. Money's not yeah, real. It's not real. It really is. They just print it. Look up the Fed Reserve. Look out if look up if that's a uh, private institution or not. Is there gold in Fort Knox anymore? No. No. There's she, no fuck. No. That, even the government's not even allowed to audit. Hasn't been audited since like what 1983?
1: Hey, the government should be audited before TDR gets audited. (laughs) All right. Wipe that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. All right.
0: IRS. Stop. Stop. Don't listen. Don't look. All right. Uh, But the game didn't start out poorly. Kind of went alongside. I don't really vividly remember your prediction, but I think it was kind of similar to mine. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we were pretty on sync. Yeah, I think my or I know my final prediction was thirty-eight to twenty because I don't we tweeted out mine. that quote, yeah. tweeted out that clip that Great I was uh, pretty damn close. Yeah, you but were. I said that, and I thought that Vanderbilt could hang with Missouri early, and eventually the playmakers would just take over on this Missouri offense, and that's kind of what happened. The game didn't start out horribly. Vanderbilt hung with Missouri for a little bit. And played pretty cowardly uh, to close that first half out. But Vanderbilt on a Kinsills run was up seven to three early in that game. After that point, that's about it. That that's about all the positivity yeah, I have from that game. Is I'm being right up seven you. to three, pretty much Missouri bounced back, went up 10-7, I think early in the second quarter, and from that point on dominated the game. Missouri, Missouri was in complete control. Vanderbilt was afraid to throw the ball down the field with Ken Seals until the game was completely over. Uh-huh. Everything was a check down. Uh I'm going to get into the box score real quick. I think that tells a lot of the story of the game. Brady Cook, Missouri's quarterback. And I, I don't, did I say the score? Yeah, I said the score. Yes. Uh just to rehash, Missouri 38, Vanderbilt 21. Missouri moves to 5 and 0 on the season. Vanderbilt moves to 2 and 4. Brady Cook, Missouri's quarterback. Career day, 33 of 41 for 395 yards, four touchdowns, no picks again, broke the what SEC all time consecutive passing record for without an interception.
1: Also, I think we should make note. This guy is not good. Missouri fans wanted him benched. Missouri fans were chanting for this cat to get benched two games ago. This, he, he, he's inexcusable. Put,
0: I also Missouri fans were dumb for that. That is true. yes. They, they were dumb for that. But Missouri, the the knock on Brady Cook is the reason that he doesn't throw picks is the opposite reason Vanderbilt fans are mad at AJ Swan. Yeah, no, shot, is he no, doesn't no. throw into tight windows. Yeah, there were no tight windows Not during this game. Seen. There was one early in the red zone that Derricky Wright missed an opportunity to maybe make a make a play intercept the ball, knock the pass down. Other than that, it was truly just Vanderbilt's secondary and linebackers
1: just weren't even in the picture.
0: They they were a different level of athlete from what Vanderbilt was able to put out on that field. Ken Seals, not a bad game, truly, and I mean this without – this is kind of, I guess, a little bit of hate, but it's really not because you know how, if you're listening to TDR, you know how we feel about Ken
1: we got a Ken Stills jersey yeah, over Ken here.
0: Ken was 20-31 for 259, two touchdowns and a pick with a 49 QBR. He was not asked to do what A.J. Swan has been asked to do. He was asked season.
1: to manage. He
0: was asked to manage a game. We will get into this and in me and Trevor's key takeaways from the game, but that was not the same offense that Vanderbilt has been running all season. Even the announcers noticed it and said Vanderbilt has been taking zero shots downfield. Mm-hmm. It was kind of pathetic what you saw on that field. Vanderbilt had no inkling. And this staff had no inkling that Vanderbilt could win this game. They were just trying to keep it as close and competitive as possible, make the final scoreboard look OK. A true Derek Mason mentality. It was pathetic. Yep. It almost has me completely off the Clark Lee train if he hadn't shit on the coordinators uh, right after the game. And maybe he's finally recognizing that the coordinators are calling the game like cowards.
1: I'll believe it when I see it. Like I, 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 I know what you're talking about with the. Um, he was he was very he didn't name them. He said he the was, offense
0: should have been more aggressive. Yeah, early. he's been
1: very pointed with his remarks recently. But I'm still at the boat. Like I will, I'm I'm in my boomer Vandy phase right now. To the world. like, I'll believe it with shovels in the ground. I'll believe it when I see the the report that Nick Howell and Joey Lynch have been fired. That's sort of like where I'm at this, right now. This
0: was really like my breaking game with Joey Lynch. So this I'm be this honest. one did me. This this, this was, was like. You created a game plan all week that you knew had no opportunity to actually put a winning product on the field. You basically just threw in the towel. Yep. You gave up. Yeah, you gave up. up. Vanderbilt was completely unable to run the ball again. Pathetic performance in the running game. Jaden McGowan was the leading rusher. Three carries for 24 yards. Jaden McGowan's a slot wide receiver in in case anybody out there listening isn't aware. Uh, Cedric Alexander, five carries for 12 yards. The second leading rush of the longest rush of the game outside of Jaden McGowan, who had a run for 10 yards, was Ken Seals with that touchdown run of six yards. No running back had a run longer than four yards that's pathetic Mm -hmm. that's unacceptable that is fireable
1: that's fireable offense that is a
0: fireable offense from the offensive line coach the running backs coach and the offensive coordinator it is 100% time to clear house I am not all the way off I am not all the way off the Clark Lee train
1: I'm I'm not there with Clark yet Uh, but I'm getting close you just
0: signed him to an extension also who else are and I know people are going to shit on me for this comment right now. Who in the hell is going to take the Vanderbilt job after you fired the hometown guy that you were high on after three seasons and let Derek Mason go after going to three straight bowl games. You let him go after two bad seasons, which was a good decision. That was the right decision. Should have been done earlier. But the only thing you can really present to people is job security. If you can win and go to a bowl game every other season, that's the only, unless you are from Vanderbilt and played at Vanderbilt like Clark Lee, Vanderbilt is not an appealing job. It's, I it's it's the worst job in the, all of college football. It is truly it really is. It, it's definitely the worst job in all of Power 5. It's I think it's the worst not job. Worst, in, worst, let me rephrase. Uh-huh. The most difficult job in all in the entire country. I it think is, it also
1: is the worst too personally. I don't I don't see worst. It's definitely the most difficult.
0: Worst is different because right now there is investment into the program. You do get to live in Nashville. Oh, because most high most high powered or high paying, high profile college jobs are in shitty small college I I get what you're saying. That nobody wants to live in. It's definitely not the worst job, but it is the most difficult. You are you are competing against universities that simply have advantages that you do not have at Vanderbilt. You're you're playing against a loaded deck. But I'm ready to clear house after what I saw. Will Shepard, great performance. Most of it caught came on one catch, five catches for ninety-eight yards, one touchdown. Was really uninvolved a lot of the game. Kind of pathetic. Yeah, awful uh, game planning. Just awful game planning from Joey Lynch. Just completely unable to get his stars in space and get the ball into their hands. It, at this point, what are you doing? It's getting worse every week. Mm-hmm. I see every team across the country constantly getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers by any means necessary. By any means. How can Vanderbilt not scheme it that that way? You have a diversity of playmakers on the field. There's no way, and, and it would be one thing yeah. if it was just Will Shepard, but he's not even involving your second or third main option. Absolutely, What is he doing? Cedric Alexander was your second leading pass catcher. They're, mis- the,
1: they're misusing him the in, most the, in an awful way.
0: Seven catches for 65 yards from your running back. Junior Sherrill, second leading receiver, three catches, 43 yards. Quincy Skinner Jr., maybe get the ball in his hands a little bit fucking more Joey. Uh, Two catches, 37 yards. Every time he gets the ball in his hands, good things happen. Every time you throw to him, good things happen. But you still only target him twice a game. I don't understand. You want to go fix the camera real quick? I'll keep it rolling. We'll get into the defense. Jalen Mahoney, thank God he was back, had a pretty good game, was the leading got burnt once, but was the leading tackler. Uh, eight total tackles, six solos. Drakey Wright, seven total tackles. Martell Height, also seven, with six tackles each. Anus DeCosmo and Brian Longwell, BJ Akite with five tackles, Ethan Barr with four, and a bunch of guys with three two-and-one tackles. That's most of the box score. Do you want me to go through? Um, I'll go through a couple Missouri guys' stats here. Yeah, Luther, Luther Burden. We called it. We called it. 11 catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Is Luther, he's an incredible receiver. So this is not a slight at Luther Burden in any way. Is Will Shepard that much worse than Luther Burden? where you just can't get the ball to Will Shepard consistently. They're focusing on him. Well, it seems like every damn team in the, the country is focusing on Luther Burden week in week out for Missouri. He's
1: somehow still managing to get the ball in his hands, Joey. And that's some, dumb fu- And that's something that I also wanted to bring up that, that you just brought up. Um, and it's a great point you said. It's not like Vanderbilt just has Will Shepard, but I want to bring up the point. Even if all they had was Will Shepard, there's no ex- w- there's no excuse not to force feed him the ball. Will Shepard would start on every SEC team, and that's the crazy. Like, even if there's no Jaden, no London, no Junior, no Q, how do you not force feed him the ball? Just do, just get in the ball by. You're willing to risk his career by putting him out there to catch punts, but you're not willing to get him the ball in space and in the offensive game plan like that. It, does, it doesn't make any sense it to me. It makes
0: no sense. We are traditionalists here. We are huge Jordan Matthews and Earl Bennett fans. Yep. Okay. This is no slight at them. Will Shepard, without a doubt, is the most talented receiver Vanderbilt has had. I agree. It is, he is the most NFL wide receiver Vanderbilt has ever had. Mm-hmm. And it's not close and you can't get the ball in his hands more than four or five times, six times a game. Every other team has a guy like that on their roster, and they're getting the ball in his hands 10 to 12 times, 10 to 12 receptions a game. He
1: should have a he should have 10 receptions minimum a he game. Should, minimum. Will Shepard,
0: I have been saying it since the start of the season, is there is some conscious effort from Joey Lynch to spread the ball around. When you have Jaden McGowan, Will Shepard, and Quincy, who are obviously superior athletes to everyone else at this point. Mm -hmm. That's not saying that London Humphreys won't be an incredible receiver. He's very good right now. But those three guys are a different level, and it's obvious Mm -hmm. on film. It's obvious watching them after the catch. They are a different level. And for some reason, Joey Lynch is blind. He's too close. He is too close to the situation. He has to go. Right now, there we go, if baby. If you want any problem, if you want it, and I'm not saying that's gonna fix all the problems on this team, but I have a fundamental difference in how I view the game of football from Joey Lynch. Yep, and he's a fucking moron. You
1: you gotta feed you got to force feed your playmakers. That's how you win ball games, you get the ball. And the best players' hands, and you just let them make plays. It's just that simple. It It really is. It's that simple. It
0: it is about the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm
1: not even saying outside. And you got a Jimmy on your wide receiver. You got a couple Jimmies at wide receiver.
0: I'm not even saying that. Vanderbilt would be five and zero or six and zero or they'd be better than what they are. They would right be now. better than what they are right now. I'm not saying that fixes all their problems, but Joey Lynch is one of the problems. Absolutely, he's not all of the problems, mm-hmm. but he's one of the problems. And with his current offense still running an RPO scheme,
1: not getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers, he has to go. We're gonna look back on this team, and but but in particular this wide receiver core. And Vanderbilt fans, like, we are going to look back with sincere regret. We are going to look back at this team and this offensive production in a worse light than we do the the Pinkney Vaughn Kalaja senior season. Yes. We're gonna. This is worse than that. Would it you is. agree? I would say.
0: I would say it's worse than that because in 2019 we knew that we were losing Kyle Shermer. We knew that the quarterback that uh-huh. had led this offense was leaving. We just thought that the talent around the guy that was going to be stepping in would be enough, yeah. and it just wasn't. No. It, it just wasn't. This year has been more disappointing because the it's talent's coaching. there. Every time that you have these guys in space, they make big plays happen, mm-hmm. and it just seems like you're beating your head into a brick wall, running and throwing an equal amount of times during this game. 20 rushes, yep. 20 receptions on the game. So it's not even, but the amount of times that playmakers had the ball in their hands was equally distributed between the wide receivers and the running backs. And that can't happen. Nope. That just cannot happen. You have playmakers like you have never had before at wide receiver, and you were wasting them. You were a joke. You were pathetic. It's time for Joey Lynch to go. Theo Weiss Jr. also 10 catches, 118 yards. Vanderbilt once again, I believe, lost the turnover battle, losing a fumble and throwing an interception. Of course. Once again, Vanderbilt does not win the turnover battle, so I bet you can guess what one of my keys is going to be (laughs) for the Florida game. Trevor, you have anything to add from that box score before we get into our three key takeaways
1: that I think we just touched on quite a bit uh, before we got into them? No, I agree with everything you said. I, I mean, we'll get into our keys, and I, I have a, I deviate a little bit, but no, I, I agree with everything that was said.
0: All right. It's now time to get into our three keys. Trevor, what's your key takeaway number one from the 38-21 to 21 loss that we witnessed this Saturday?
1: Once again, like your key takeaway with – I'm not going to say it, but we'll get to it. I also have a reoccurring theme uh, in my key takeaways, is that the RPO is not working. I've gone back and I have watched I watched this Missouri game and I watched the um, I watched the Kentucky game uh, because while I was at the game, I was I was for some reason I was super fixated once again on the offensive line in the run game. Um, and during the game, it just looked as though the RPO run game is so slow to develop. The handoffs are slow. The reads are slow. It feels like by the time the running back gets the ball and is ready to go, five seconds has passed. I know that's not actually what's happening, but it feels like that. It feels like everything is so slow to develop. And I get that. I get that it's not the same style as if you line up under center and you just hand the ball off. They have a running head start. I get that. I know that they're different offensive schemes. I get that. But the offensive line is just not getting leverage. The offensive line's leverage play is awful. They are not getting leverage. They are not moving the man in front of them. And whenever you give the defensive line that much time to assert their dominance over an offensive line that just does not have good leverage technique, it, you, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to absolutely kill yourself because you're letting these running backs run with no with no authority. Everything is, hesit, is, 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 is hesitant. Um, it doesn't look like the quarterbacks know their read. It doesn't look like the running back know their read, when to hand it off, when to hold it and it's just delaying the offensive game plan. The offense has no flow. Whenever they get post-snap, they look so slow, and that just gives the defense much more time to hone in and just absolutely mollywop this offensive line and to get holes and to get in the backfield early. Vanderbilt needs to ditch the RPO, and you know what? You you know what? I'm going to say it. Vanderbilt needs to go to a Mike Leach air raid. God rest his soul. The The only hope. Mike Leach ran the ball 30% of the time and had wonderful offensive production, historic offensive production, wherever he went, whether it was a tech, whether it was Wazoo, Mississippi state, eh, whatever, didn't have time to implement his guys, but Wazoo, Texas tech ran the ball 30% of the time threw it. 70% short passes, deep balls, or whatever he could spread them out, spread the defense out. Do not give the defense time to see the play and react, and that is what this offense is allowing. The offense is running so slow, it's allowing the defense to see, dissect the play, and react before the quarterback even makes a decision. You have to stop it. We're not going to win ballgames with this offensive scheme. Now, the issue is, you're halfway through the season. It's way too late to change the scheme, way too late. And So I don't want to say all hope is lost, but I'm going to say it: all hope is lost. They're going to keep running this RPO style of offense the rest of the season, and Vanderbilt is not going to win a ballgame. Vanderbilt is not going to win a shootout. And it's so frustrating because at the start of the season, and of course we'll get to the defense even more, somehow they have regressed, which is mind-boggling. that They have somehow gotten worse from what they were last year. We thought that this Vanderbilt offense could win shootouts. We thought, okay, if the defense isn't going to get it done, can this offense win shootouts? We thought with the weapons they had, yes, they could, and they just cannot. You got to. You, you have to bring us something. You have to bring in a fresh offensive mind. I get the RPO is sexy. I, I understand that everybody runs it. Vanderbilt does not run it. Vanderbilt
0: well. is not everybody.
1: Vanderbilt is not everybody. You're going to have to think out of the box. You're going to have to be unique. I I'm not calling for a triple option. Anytime somebody calls for Vanderbilt to run the triple option, it quite literally takes years off my life. I never want to see it, but Vanderbilt has to change. You cannot run what everybody else runs. You do not have the dogs that everybody else has, especially right now in the trenches. And it's, it's just like it you.
0: is just like Andy Ludwig attempting to run a super dressed window dressed up pro style offense at Vanderbilt.
1: Well, and it was that boring old like that the twenty two formation just yes. just run that's, it up the middle. That's run fine. your head into a wall.
0: That's fine if you're not at Vanderbilt playing every single in-conference game with inferior talent. Exactly.
1: Toward the that defensive line. You have to
0: as a, now. that's why Vanderbilt is the most difficult coaching job in the country is you are going to have to out scheme every single coach that you face mm-hmm. in conference to get a win. And yep. right now, Joey Lynch is simply not doing that. Nope. I'm glad your first key was the offense. My first key is the defense. Oh, the, there is no my key. Number one, there is no hope for the secondary. It mm-hmm. is truly that, that bad. It's as bad as we anticipated. It's no, it's worse. It, it's worse it's than worse. we could have imagined. And I think you see that with the depth chart that Vanderbilt released again, where Martell Hyde and Trudeau Berry are now the starters again with the or in front of Tyson Russell. They're so it's so bad. Yeah, it, the guys were just open. I This isn't a detailed breakdown. Go back and watch any any Missouri drive after that first quarter. And guys are just open. Vanderbilt has barely had a guy open once per game as open as Missouri consistently would have four or five times right drive. in the middle of the field. Just dude. the middle of the field wide open. is wide open outside the hashes wide, open. wide open. I don't know what the scheme is attempting to accomplish. Vanderbilt barely gets pressure on the quarterback and they also can't cover anybody. Your laptop battery's running low. Are you sure it's plugged in? Oh, yep.
1: No, we'll plug it in right now.
0: All right. Trevor's going to plug it in, but I'm just going to read off Brady Cook's stats while Trevor's plugging in his laptop. As we got the low battery alert against South Dakota, Brady cook, 17 of 21 for 172 and one touchdown against MTSU. Brady Cook was 14 of 19 for 204, two touchdowns. Against number 15, Kansas State, Brady Cook was 23 of 35 for 356 and two touchdowns, good stats. Against Memphis, Brady Cook was 18 of 25 for 341 with two touchdowns. And against Vanderbilt, Brady Cook was 33 of 41 for 395 as Trevor tries to rip my mic away. Is this still recording? Why are we blurry? All right, go ahead and pause it. Okay, we're back. We're back. We're back. Did you pause it? Yep. Okay. Get more live now. All right. I don't even know what I was saying. I was just reading off Brady Cook's stat lines. He's improving. He's playing better. But the pass attempts are one of the most telling portions of that box score. Brady Cook threw the ball 41 times against Vanderbilt. That means Drinkowitz watched film and said, holy shit, Vanderbilt's secondary is horrific. We don't even need to worry about implementing the run game. Their run defense is awful as well, but the secondary is so bad, we are going to have our way with them, and the rest of this game doesn't matter. I don't think you will see Brady Cook above 40 attempts the rest of the season. I just think Vanderbilt, and, and he completed over 80% of his passes on over 40 attempts that's horrific that's fireable from a cornerback coach and a defensive coordinator perspective and it's happening all season long so that's my key takeaway number one this secondary is beyond hope
1: yep I'm I'm I mean, it's hard to disagree. we knew it
0: we knew it I mean but it's I don't think not we groundbreaking. I don't think
1: we we knew it would be this bad which is an another thing
0: we didn't expect. Also, the front seven to have a complete inability to create pressure of any kind.
1: The dude, they're they're awful. They're all like they're awful. They're
0: so in- no sacks. The only team that is not the camera's moving again. The oh only the only what team a disaster. the only team that has faced Missouri thus far that has not had a sack, including South Dakota. So I just want to reemphasize that is it's not just the secondary. The defensive line and linebacking group has also been just as bad. Trevor, I know you're still adjusting that, but it's about time to get to your key takeaway number two.
1: Ladies and gents, this is, I mean, we have technical difficulties. The camera is swiveling. The mics are shutting off. The laptop is dying. Um, this is the TDR experience. This pod right now, is symbolic of what we are seeing on the field, except we actually falling are, apart. Except we actually are giving effort, it seems, Um, and that's that's not my key number two, but another frustrating part of this team. It just it looks like a lot of guys don't have any heart. I mean, the the only guys who 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 seem like they're playing tough and, and aggressive football, and it seems like it means something to them. Uh, I feel like CJ plays that way. I feel like Dericki plays that way. I feel like Jalen plays that way. Um, and I mean, honestly, shoot, man, I don't blame them. If I played for this coaching staff, it would be hard for me to get up for a football game too. So man, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. My key number two is, is once again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy team Vanderbilt. And this, and this has been uh, something that has been said of Vanderbilt in our entire lives because it's true. Vanderbilt does not have the talent that other SEC teams have. Vanderbilt has never had the talent that other SEC teams have had. In order to win ball games, Vanderbilt has to play sound and technical football. You cannot be sloppy, you cannot have turnovers, and you sure as hell, cannot have all these penalties so many procedural penalties so many personal fouls that go on in this game i feel like gunner and i love gunner hans he's, he's probably one of my top three favorite players on this team feels like he has a personal foul every other game and this just continues to put vanderbilt behind the chains it's not just on offense either vanderbilt had what five false start or offsides penalties there was one in particular to where it didn't matter anyway. Vanderbilt jumped, and then Tyson Russell in the red zone in the corner gets absolutely mossed, so it's not like it mattered anyway. But even if these guys are getting a jump, even if they're getting a flag, getting a uh, sides in an early start, they're still not getting to the quarterback. And so Vanderbilt just continues to play sloppy ball. Procedural penalties are racking up. There's no excuse, no excuse For procedural penalties, when you have an offensive line this experienced, an offensive line that has played this many games together, no excuse, none whatsoever. And to me, that is a reflection on the coaching staff. More than, and and the stats don't bear that out as much, that
0: Vanderbilt's a horribly penalized team. It's more about the situations that they happen in it's like, in the red zone all the time. It feels like every single procedural penalty called on Vanderbilt is at a key pivotal moment Four in third a drive. And, yep. it, and it sets you back to an almost unmanageable situation. So I think it's the situational penalties that kill momentum and kill drives. Vanderbilt cannot have those and are a lot more sensitive to those penalties than other teams because they're playing with less margin for error. They just are. That's that's how Vanderbilt has always it's, operated. Yeah, that's that's exactly, how they will yes. always operate. And, and
1: how are you having these procedural penalties on the offensive line? And I know it's a tired argument. I didn't play offensive line. If if Blake or Bruno, whoever did play offensive line, please let us know. How do you fall start when you know the snap count? I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I really don't. I, I wish I did know. But but I don't get it. Are are they clapping? Which that should have been. If if they are, that should be a a flag on the defense. But are they clapping? Are they mimicking snap counts? Like what? Like what is going on? And it it just seems to be happening in crucial moments. It happens in the red zone. That Tyson Russell touchdown with the defense jumped off sides. Doesn't matter anyway because Tyson Russell gets mossed um, in the corner of the end zone. But third downs uh, on offense, it just it seems like a Sisyphean tale to where You think it's going to get better, but it actually doesn't. The boulder just rolls back down the hill, and you're like, we're back to square one. That's what Vanderbilt football feels like. You thought there was hope. You thought you were going to get over the hump. But, man, that boulder just rolls right back down, and you're back to square one again.
0: My key takeaway number two, probably not going to be a long one because we're not far enough into the season yet to really pull out the full stats and really start getting into the breakdown and compare it to last season. The entire team has regressed, is my key takeaway number two. It's it's not one position. It's not saying the secondary's gotten worse or the special teams unit has gotten worse. Everything ha- has gotten worse across the board. There have been errors in the punting unit, even though overall special teams has been okay. It Last year it was good as well, and it's gotten worse this year. Quarterback mm-hmm. play, probably worse this year. Offensive line play, definitely worse this year. Running backs, definitely worse this year. Secondary, definitely worse this year. Linebackers, just as bad or worse this year. Defensive line, just as bad or worse this year. Wide receiver group, about the same. That's it. Mm -hmm. Across the board, I don't understand how this entire team can regress with the amount of talent they had returning, and that falls squarely on the shoulders of the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Awful, awful, awful job by the staff so far this offseason. I don't know what the hell they were doing. This is a worse football team than we saw in 2022. I really didn't think that was a possibility, that this team would be worse than what we saw last year. It's not just the win-loss record. It's not just that. Overall, this team is less efficient, seems less in sync, and is less prepared than they were in year two under Clark Lee, and that is not a good omen for the rest of the tenure under Clark Lee. I think it's time to pretty much clean house. The staff is not working. It's time to just empty, empty the entire chamber, fire everyone. It's time to restart. I still think Clark Lee can be the guy. I think he can grow into it. I don't think he's going to abandon this program if he was to have the first sign of success. I think right now, if you let go of Clark Lee, you would lose the only recruiting momentum that you have. And at Vanderbilt, you need that. Mm -hmm. And who the hell else are you going to hire? But as far as coordinators and position coaches go, Clark, I know you want to be a developmental program. I know you brought in the guys you wanted. Maybe it's time to bring in some guys that you disagree with a little bit. Bring in some more experienced guys at coordinator positions and position coaches, because right now the staff is piss poor. And and there's no other phrase to to say it, it's really mind boggling when every single position group has stagnated or gotten worse from year to the next season. So, yep, that's my key takeaway. Number two is every single position group has stagnated or gotten worse from one season to the next, and yep.
1: that's inexcusable. And that plays into my key number three, and this is something that we have harped on all season long. I mean, I will continue to harp on it until I see change. Um, player util- player utilization is just not there, and it, it quite frankly doesn't make any sense. Um, I think Patrick Smith is, is, a, is, a, is a good running back. Just point blank, he ain't getting it done. The fact that you continue to have him split carries with Cedric when Cedric is clearly... Clearly, clearly, clearly the best running back in this stable right now is mind-boggling to me. And you know who else I would like to see? I maybe would like to see a little bit of A.J. Newberry. Whenever you look at his tape, he's – and honestly, I, I went back and watched some of his high school tape. And I know high school tape doesn't directly translate to college football. I get that. Don't come for me on Twitter. I understand. You know who he reminds me of? Ray Davis. The way he moves and the way he's shifty and the sort of power, uh, sort of power that he has, runs with his pads. I would have said Ralph Webb. Oh yeah, that's another good one. But he 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 reminds me of Ray Davis. Give the kid a shot. Another thing, let's go to defense, player utilization, linebacker core thin right now, thin as ice in March. God love him, my heart absolutely breaks for Kane Patterson. Somebody that came to Vanderbilt to play with his brother. Um, I I love Kane Patterson. I have nothing but positive. Kane was really having
0: his best game of the season so far. He Absolutely. looked. He looked, looked amazing. Yeah,
1: he looked great. Side to side movement. Absolutely. Get better. I hope it's not as bad as we think it is. But but get get better, brother. If the if the linebacker core is this thin, maybe should you move Bryce Cowan back to linebacker? Maybe don't. Why is he at this? Why is maybe he this, the 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 anchor position? Maybe the don't position. I forget which one it is. I think it's anchor. Maybe uh don't start.
0: Don't fake medical red shirt, Prince Golly. because That's, he's not picking up the scheme. Let's I just don't know. call it maybe. what it
1: is. Yeah, but just. Well, I mean, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna just in in in? No hate to him. Are we just gonna play Nick Rinaldi over Bryce Cowan? Even though, just move move him back inside. You're telling me you would rather have Nick Rinaldi, a linebacker, than Bryce Cowan? Are we being serious right now? Bryce Cowan looks like a physical freak. He's another one of those guys that you look at him and you're like, man, Vanderbilt hasn't had a cat like this in a very, very long time. And you just stuck him at this position that you probably shouldn't have. And now you have a clear need at linebacker, a position group that he is familiar with, a position that he knows how to play. And you just aren't going to move him back. You're just going to stick with Rinaldi. Whenever you have a clearly superior athlete at that position, at a different position, readily available, we're just going to do that. I, I I don't understand the scheme. I don't understand the rotations. None of it makes sense to me. It's it's just so—and and, and another thing, I understand that DeMarion Thomas is a big guy. I understand that he's Jordan Davis-like and that you can't have him on the field all the time because he would just get winded. I get that. Only having DeMarion Thomas in when you need to stuff people on the red zone or in short yardage situations is so dumb. Whenever you are producing this little pressure from the defensive line, not just the defensive end, particularly the interior of the defensive line, not only are they not getting pressure, they're getting bullied in the run game. You could drive Mack trucks through these holes, and you have a guy who is just a certified 100% USDA beef that you only use him in situational plays, dude. I understand he might get winded. I get that you can't have him on the field hundred percent of the time. You gotta play him more than just short yard situations. You have to play him more than than third and goal situations. You need to play him in second and eight. You need to play him on first and ten. You need to get somebody in the interior line that is going to create pressure. And anytime he is in the red zone or anytime he is in short yardage plays, dude is an absolute goon. A wrecking ball makes place, and I don't feel like anybody talks about him. and It's a shame he should be on the field more. Just the whole rotation and, and player utilization, particularly with the young guys, is so frustrating to me. And, and, and two, and, and I'll keep going on the soapbox. I get that blocking is an issue. You're telling me that Justin Ball and Logan Kyle are that much better blockers than Camarion, uh, the Camar- or Cameron. Johnson. Johnson. I wanted to say, Camarion especially, Cameron. Especially, Logan,
0: especially Logan. You're Kyle. telling
1: me that they're better than Cameron Johnson. Are we being serious right now? Bro, I, the, the I don't only- care about blocking. I need offensive production. I need yards. I need yak. I need tutters. That's what I need right now. And you just won't play the kid. He's got every time he touches the ball, he gets a touchdown. I get that it's in garbage time. I don't care. I don't care, dude. What are we doing, man? I don't get it.
0: I, I don't understand the rotation. I don't understand bringing in a guy that it, it also hits on my, my initial point, which is why can you not get the ball to your playmakers? But every single time you bring the number 48 tight end onto the field, that's the guy, you're at the hot, route. you know, he's getting the ball and he's still able to get the ball. And and this is not shitting on Cameron Johnson, but why are you running those targeted plays to him? Why aren't I mean, you just ball? No, I'm talking about Cameron Johnson. I'm saying, why are you running tight end screens? Why aren't you utilizing or drawing up plays to Will Shepard or Jaden McGowan oh, that are key? Tar- like, every opponent knows when Cameron Johnson is coming on the field, he's going to be the primary read. It's because that's the only time they bring that's him That's on the only there. time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and you're not still- utilizing And him. you are yeah. still able, as Joey Lynch, to scheme him to get the ball in. And- in space, yeah, I agree. So why can't you do that with your actual playmakers? Absolutely, it's just lazy, and I don't. He's too close to the situation; he's overthinking. But getting in that that kind of rolls into my key takeaway number three. Ken Seals played fine, but that was a completely different offense than we saw with AJ mm-hmm. Swann at quarterback. That's my key takeaway number three. Anybody with a brain and eyes. Knows why Ken Seals threw for two touchdowns and one interception. Even the announcers mentioned it. Vanderbilt was not taking downfield shots in that Missouri game. Mm-hmm. So there was no opportunity for Ken Seals to turn over the ball. And he still did. But there in was in the red zone, there was less opportunity for him to turn over the ball. You used the phrase throwing them to the wolves mm-hmm. before we started recording. That's what, that, were is what the, that is what Joey Lynch did with AJ Swan. All that they did, all that Joey Lynch did, all the Commodores did with A.J. Swan was deep shots in the passing game. It was top-down reads. It was deep ball and and check down to your mid-level read, check down to your bottom-level read. It was the opposite with Ken Seals, Mm -hmm. and that plays out in the stat book. Mm -hmm. Cedric Alexander was the leader in receptions. That means Ken Seals was primarily targeted to dump-off passes. A.J. Swan did not have that option. I have watched every single snap of every single game multiple times. That offense that was run against Missouri with Ken Seals at quarterback was an offense that you run with a backup quarterback in the game. It gave zero opportunity for Vanderbilt to truly win that football game. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to trot Ken Seals out there, at least run the damn offense, okay? Let him sink or swim. You have run a more complex scheme with more difficult throws with a 19-year-old kid with a sophomore quarterback than you have run with your senior quarterback that means you know that A.J. Swan is the better quarterback. And he has not stepped up and capitalized on the opportunity thus far. But why would you change up the play calling to allow for easy passes that were clearly in the playbook all season Mm -hmm. for the backup? But we haven't seen that all year for A.J. It feels like, you trotted out a guy that you knew fans would immediately say, "Oh, Ken Seal's played pretty good against Missouri." Yeah, no shit. He was running the most vanilla offense that Vanderbilt has run all season. That gives you no chance to actually produce a high scoring output. Yeah, they guess didn't try what? To win the game. Guess what, bozos? That was Vanderbilt's worst offensive game of the season. Yep. I'm gonna repeat that. That was Vanderbilt's worst offensive performance of the season. Wake Forest, they put up one less point. Go re-watch the Wake Forest game. Go rewatch the Missouri game. Tell me which game Vanderbilt was more consistently and often threatening the defense to score. Yep. It was clearly the Wake Forest game. So anyone calling for Ken Seals to be the start of the rest of the season, just, just right up two and ten. I, I'm not saying that A.J. Swan is going to result in more wins. But I think you actually have an opportunity to pick up a win or two if you actually let Ken Seals off the leash or if you put A.J. Swan back there. But with that offense and those opportunities to throw the football, you didn't let him throw down the field until the game was already out of reach. Yeah, You can't win a game playing scared. And Vanderbilt played scared the entire game against Missouri, including how they closed out that half. And the fact that Derek Mason as the color commentator was applauding the cowardly decision to not even attempt to pick up a long third down and just pick up some yards and punt the football should tell you everything you need to know because Derek Mason's a fucking idiot. And that's why he's a color commentator and not a coach. So it's time for Clark Lee to pull his head out of his ass. We have been very, very very understanding of the struggles here at Vanderbilt mm-hmm. we are actual fans me and Trevor have been watching our entire lives we know the struggles of Vanderbilt football we've heard the stories but right now Carkley you are not producing the on-field product that is up to the standard of Vanderbilt fans and unless something changes and that's a low bar that's a low bar yeah, that's we a, are low a bar. realistic fan base we just want it we just want we want 500. I want to feel like Vanderbilt has the opportunity to win a football game in the second half, Mm -hmm. a majority of weeks, maybe not when you play Georgia, maybe not when you play Alabama, maybe not against a top 10 LSU team, but you know, a majority of weeks, I want to feel like in the second half that Vanderbilt has an opportunity to win the game. Mm -hmm. And with Ken seals at quarterback and how that offense was called, from the moment Missouri went up 10-7 to 7 with 12 minutes left in the second quarter, there was a 0% chance that Vanderbilt was going to win that game. So that's my takeaway is Ken Seals played fine, but everybody gassing up their performance. No shit, he took care of the football. He didn't have to make any difficult
1: throws. And we're the official Ken Seals pod. Yes, you're asking
0: yeah. A.J. Swan to make NFL quarterback throws. You're asking Ken Seals to make dump-off throws to the running back and wide-open slants to Will Shepard after the game's completely out of the reach and you're playing cover-forward deep safety coverage. No shit. He only threw one pick. So I'm very tired of seeing the constant dick suck on Twitter for Ken Seals throwing two touchdowns and one pick. Yeah, if he ran the offense and the play calls that AJ Swan has been running all year, he would have thrown ten interceptions. Okay, and it's ridiculous that we're holding them to different standards.
1: And and here's another thing, and and, and I agree, and I wanna I wanna add on. I love
0: Kenzie. Yeah, no, yeah, this is not, I love Ken This Seals.
1: is not an indictment on Ken. This is an indictment on the coaching staff, and that's why I also want to bring this up. You you trot out a young kid, a true sophomore, out there, not a ton of experience, and like you said. You put him behind an offensive line this bad and you design these long developing plays and you are getting him killed, already has concussion issues, already has an elbow injury and you're expecting him to go out there behind what seems like a makeshift offensive line right now and make these long bomb developing throws and he makes a lot of them and he makes a lot of turnovers. We're We're not discounting that. But to then go into a press conference and say we expect more out of AJ, yeah, we 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 expect more of AJ. We expect less turnovers. But to do that, whenever you're trotting him out there with that scheme, with this sort of play calling, that's not AJ. That's you, Clark. It's, that's you, it's Joey. It's also
0: the, the comment from Clark of
1: that. Bothers I of I. It's not on him. It's on. you. No, guys.
0: the comment from Clark that I was going to get uh, that I was going to say was we wanted the offense to be more aggressive early in the game is comical. Yeah, because you were also saying you want to turn the ball over less. Yeah, so it's one or the other. You, you can't say you want to be more aggressive and also want to turn the ball over less. Yep. If you are aggressive on offense, you are going to turn the ball over more. And if you have a sophomore quarterback, you are going to have performances of zero touchdowns and three picks and 16 of 40. It's called growing pains. That's what happens. Yep. That's football. Is Does that excuse the performance? No. Did AJ probably need a moment to get his head back in the game? Yes. But AJ Swan is clearly the future of the quarterback position at Vanderbilt. Yep. And anybody saying anything different has not watched as much Vanderbilt football as we have, was not at the spring game watching those guys. They just weren't. Mm-hmm. So if you've watched these guys, that's why Walt Taylor and Drew Dickey are clearly sitting at three and four with an "or" next to their names. There's a massive gap. Yes. And it's not even close. And guess what? Ken Seals is gone after next year. Well, yeah, what are you going to do? So what are you going to do? You're just going to bench AJ the rest of the year and then go with Walt or Drew Dickey? That's the plan yep. from Vanderbilt fans? I, I don't know. Trevor, I think that, that sums up our three key takeaways. We still have the floor to preview very quickly, our three keys to the game and our predictions. But before we get into that, it's now time for the still unsponsored TDR cocktail break. Welcome back from the TDR cocktail break. I hope you have a delicious alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage sitting next to you because it's now time to get into the very brief very quick because we're already over an hour here we Florida preview to go this long yeah this was not intentional it's time to preview the Vanderbilt Florida matchup Florida sits currently at three and two Saturday October the 7th 3 p.m SEC Network Florida opened as an 18 and a half point favorite over under a 52 points Trevor I'll start off with with that how do you feel about that line? 18 and a half point favorite with Florida in the
1: swamp. Uh I think it honest I think it's kind of low to be honest with you. Me too.
0: Yeah, I I really expected this to be like a 20 and a half, 21 and a half point line. I'm kind of shocked that it's not at least 20. What's points. the over under at again? 52.
1: I honestly think that's a little high.
0: That Yeah, we'll see.
1: That's my see. opinion. We'll
0: see. I think Vanderbilt's defense might truly be that horrific that you're not going to see a line under 50 points because Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's defense is actually statistically one of, if not the worst defense in all of college football. That's fair. Like Not just Power 5, mm-hmm. just all of college yeah, football. Even it's including that, like G5. Yeah, it's that bad. Uh, Florida coming off a very, very bad loss to Kentucky, 33-14. to 14. Ray Davis ran all over them. They were coming off big victories against Charlotte, and then the one that Vanderbilt fans all celebrated, the big victory over Tennessee.
1: Did we really celebrate that? I, don't,
0: I definitely hate Tennessee more. No, because of the situation of the day. The situation of the day. Like, it was fun. It was fun, but the day, I didn't give a shit about it. I didn't care
1: about it because I was so angry. I tweeted that like that UNLV game, didn't allow me to enjoy the Tennessee Florida game, we, and that pisses me off more than anything. That like, like that get like they took that from me. I think we talked
0: about uh, during the recap podcast that that's how we know how much more Vanderbilt fans we are than Tennessee haters. Is it didn't even move the meter an inch. Not even not I'm
1: not even. But a, now a looking millimeter. back,
0: I'm very happy that Florida beat Tennessee because I definitely hate the Volunteers more than I hate the Gators. At quarterback. Florida has Graham Mertz at running back. Trevor Etienne, wide receiver. Their main guy is Ricky Purcell. How do I pronounce it? Purcell, I believe. I know I was going to butcher it. And then their main defensive guy leading tackler on the season is Shamar James. I don't have a ton on this Florida roster, to be honest. I've got some stats as far as the team goes and my keys to the game. I won't get into those yet. Anything you want to add here about Florida?
1: Um, I believe before the Kentucky game, they had a top five defense in the nation. I'm not sure what it's at now, but before the Kentucky game, they had, uh, I believe, a a top 10, I think, top five defense. Yeah,
0: I I won't go too into it, but Graham Mertz on the season, 109 for 138, 79% completion percentage, which is kind of wild. 1,195 yards, six touchdowns, two picks. Uh, ETN at running back. 60 carries, 358 yards, two touchdowns. And then at receiver, Purcell, 29 catches, for 424 yards and two touchdowns. And James at linebacker, uh, 21 or 35 total tackles, one sack on the season, but kind of the main anchor on that Florida defense. So yeah, Florida's defense, very good. Their offense, maybe the only offense in the SEC that's kind of comparable to Vanderbilt's a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of bad
1: offenses actually in
0: the SEC, so I take that back. I
1: would say Florida and Auburn's offense
0: are worse than Vanderbilt's.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, I don't think the main issue on Vanderbilt's team is the offense in general, but Florida has had their struggles, especially when it comes to third downs and turnovers, so that's something that Vanderbilt has also struggled with this season, so maybe presents a little bit of an opportunity to face another team that's struggling in the same areas. That's about it. I'm not going to get detailed into the Florida preview. I'm sure. Well, actually, Brian's not able to write one this week. I was about to say you can read Brian's article if you want a full preview. Yeah, you can go to Vandy 24 7 or Vandysports.com yeah. for a full preview. <laughs> We're, we're, we're running on fumes at this it's, point.
1: It's what time is it right 10, now?
0: 10, 13.
1: Yep. 10, 13. Trevor got
0: back from class about like eight 55. I've been sick. Worked yep. till about 6. PM today. Immediately started prepping. We're doing
1: the best. We can. I literally pulled my laptop out of my bag. I started connecting all the wires. I was like, all right, let's roll.
0: <laughs> it's gritty. All right, Trevor. I think it's time to get into our three keys to the game. I'll get into a few stats here off of those from Florida as a team, but Trevor, what's your key number one to
1: Vanderbilt's matchup against Florida this Saturday? I'm going to deviate from the path a little bit. It's not really a key, but it's a question. And in in what what Vanderbilt offense are we going to see? Are are we going to see? And and then again, a lot of this plays into into what quarterback we see. That's what I was about. I have I have some I have some more sources. I'm not confident on it, though, so I'm not going to repeat those on air, but will tickle your ears a little bit. I do, I do have whispers. I do have little birdies out there. Um, what Vanderbilt are we gonna see? I think that depends on if you see Ken Seals or AJ Swan. Um, but are you gonna see a Vanderbilt offense that takes shots that tries to win a game, or are you gonna see a Vanderbilt offense that just lays and plays dead? Um, I don't know. Um, I honestly, I think even with as good even if Vanderbilt does decide to go out and actually play an offensive game to where they do desire to win the ball game, I think this Florida defense is so good that I don't think it ultimately matters. So resistance is futile. Wow, what a positive key number one. I'm in a not great state of mind.
0: All right, my key number one is going to point to the same key number one I think I've had all season. <laughs> is, is, is it ever going to change? Win the turnover battle. Win it. Don't tie the turnover battle. Don't lose the turnover battle. Win the turnover battle. Vanderbilt's defense, not great at creating turnovers. Vanderbilt's offense, bad at creating turnovers. But Vanderbilt's turnover margin, let me find the stat to make sure I don't misquote it here. I cannot find it, but I'm just going to go off my memory. Uh, Vanderbilt's turnover margin is negative 0.6 ranking number 102 in the nation Florida negative 0.8 ranking Ooh. number 103 in the nation so Vanderbilt is actually facing an offense or a team that is worse in the turnover margin than themselves so Vanderbilt if you're going to win a turnover battle the entire rest of this season It is going to be this week against the Florida Gators. Maybe against my fault. I'm pulling the camera. Maybe against Auburn. Maybe. But Florida might be your last shot. So win the turnover battle is my key number one. Once again, do that, and then maybe I can move forward and have a different one.
1: I feel like if you ever do take that key – Away, then they're actually going to listen. But as long as you keep that as your key, they're going to be like, "Screw this guy." So we're going to keep throwing picks.
0: Yep. Uh, what did you say? Sixty percent. You said this. I don't want to steal your thunder. Sixty percent of Vanderbilt's turnovers have been in the red zone.
1: I saw that stat. Yeah, over fifty percent have been in the red zone. I think. It, I think it's it's hovering around sixty, sixty-one percent have been in the red zone. Um, someone fact checked me on that, but I believe that's correct. Um, or Phoebe, do you can you confirm? No, nothing, nothing, not a thought behind those eyes. Um, <laughs> my key number two. I'm gonna keep it simple. Uh, force feed Will Shepard. That's my key number two. Will over to you. Uh,
0: pretty much the same. Uh, but my key number two is create big chunk plays, and that's really simple because you Vanderbilt never gave themselves an opportunity against Missouri to do that when they were still in the ball game. Even that first touchdown drive that resulted in Seal's touchdown run was pretty much sparked by a defensive pass interference penalty Mm -hmm. against Junior Sherrill. Vanderbilt, until the game was completely over, created no big plays. So big chunk plays have to happen. Vanderbilt does not have the offensive line to sustain a 12 or 15 play drive. So the only way that this offense can score points is to create big chunk plays. If is at quarterback, I don't see that happening.
1: So, I pray to God that AJ's the quarterback rolling out there this Saturday. Yep. I'm right there with you, brother. My key number 3, uh play smart football. Uh, the the joke is you went to Vanderbilt so you're smart, so maybe play smart football. I don't know. Um we got to stop with the procedural penalties. We got to stop with the dumb personal fouls, uh unnecessary roughnesses, um all of that stuff. We it, it's got to stop. It's already Vanderbilt is already Six feet in the hole, and whenever you commit these penalties, uh, it just you keep on digging, and Vanderbilt by the end of half finds himself in somehow like a 24 foot hole. Um, to so play smart football once again. I think if Vanderbilt even plays smart football, will it even matter? Probably not. So who cares?
0: Yeah, that's a good yeah, key. My, enough. yeah, nothing that really to add to that. Yeah, my key number three, I've had this one the last couple of weeks as well win third downs. Guess what? Vanderbilt's defense, still horrific on third downs, giving up over 50% of third downs to conversions to opponents ranking number 125 in the country. Keep in mind, Missouri was also awful on third downs and still had great success against Vanderbilt. The reason I say to win third downs, Florida's offense, bad, Very, very bad, not good. Their third down conversion percentage on offense is 26.5%, ranking number 126 in the country in offensive third down conversion percentage. So a horrific, it's it's awful. It's actually worse (laughs) comparatively than Vanderbilt's defense is on third down. So bad versus bad on third downs. However, Florida's defense is only giving up 30.6% of third down conversions ranking number 19 in the country while Vanderbilt's offense is only converting 38.2% of third downs number 74 in the country so Vanderbilt the defense has to step up quit giving up third downs that is killing this defense a lot of that is first and second down giving the putting the offense in advantageous positions there's a lot to it I've had this over and over. I know it is obvious, but it has to be done to even have the opportunity to win an SEC football game. You have to win the turnover battle and you have to win third downs. It's simple, but they haven't done it yet, mm-hmm. which is why Vanderbilt is two and four and 0 and two in conference. Yep. That's about it, Trevor. I think it's about time to get into our predictions here. And I think we'll have a little bit of difference because prediction. Pay. Pain. I think we both predict pain. I think that's the only similarity we have here. But Trevor, what's your prediction for Vanderbilt versus Florida? Three and two, Florida, two and four, Vanderbilt.
1: I also want it to be noted. Um, last week, I predicted Luther Burden to have 150 yards receiving. You were close on the score prediction. I was close on that. Uh, I think Travis Etienne has 120 yards rushing. I'm predicting two touchdowns for him. Um, with that being said, I think this is an absolute slop fest. I think this is a disgusting ball game. The fact that it's a three o'clock, I hate, I hate three o'clock kickoffs anyways. Um, I wish this was an 8 a.m. kickoff so I could just get it over with. Um, I wish this was a Wake Forest kick. Gainesville's Eastern time, isn't it? I wish this was a Wake Forest Eastern time kickoff so I can just get it over with and enjoy the rest of my day. Um, with that being said, I think this game is sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Both two teams that just kind of suck right now, but f- at least Florida's got a good defense. So I'm going to go with a score prediction of, I'm going to change it from earlier from what I said. I'm going to go 24-6, Florida. Okay. Okay.
0: I'm not going to horribly disagree with that. I think you said 17 to. I said 17 to three before we started. Yeah. I just. Yeah, 24. I don't think Vanderbilt holds any SEC opponent under three scores. I I don't see that happening. It doesn't matter how awful the offense is. They gave up 28 points to Hawaii. I mean, my God. Um, Florida's offense is bad. Their defense is good. I still think this is going to be a sloppy game. I think they're going to be inopportune turnovers from both teams, and I think that's going to result in advantageous field position for a couple not-so-great offenses. With that said, Vanderbilt's defense can't stop anybody. It's certainly not going to start this week on the road in the swamp against Florida. Florida puts up 31. Vanderbilt puts up 21. Doors fall, but they cover the spread. We
1: score 21?
0: Yeah. I I I don't think the offense is going to have another output below 17. And they haven't had one all season.
1: Interesting. I,
0: I now if Ken Seals trots out at quarterback. I would lower that to 31 to 14. If AJ Swan is at quarterback, 31 to 21. Either way, the defense is going to give up above 30 points. That that's my only thing that I'm really sure of is this defense is not holding anybody below 30 points the rest of the season. It doesn't matter if they're playing Auburn. It doesn't matter if they're playing Tennessee School of the Blind. This defense can't cover a wet paper sack. So
1: I don't know. I've never heard that analogy before. That's really good. Cover a wet paper. I don't even know if that's a thing. (laughs) I'm going to start using that.
0: I, I, I have zero faith in Clark Lee's ability to get this team ready and prepared to defend an SEC offense. He's shown me nothing throughout his tenure that I believe he's a defensive guru. Yeah. I've seen nothing. No. Even last season, not not even the season before, even when they went five and seven, even when they beat Kentucky, even when they beat Florida. I've seen nothing that differentiates a defensive coordinator moving into a head coaching role. I'm so sick of Vanderbilt hiring defensive coordinators. Can we get an offensive minded head coach? The one time that Vanderbilt did that, it was James Franklin. I just want to throw that out
1: there. That is true.
0: Vanderbilt refuses to hire off former offensive coordinators. The one time that they do it, they have the greatest success in the modern history of the program. And then they just go back to hiring defensive coordinators and beating their head into a wall because the entire Vanderbilt administration is so out of touch. They're still so out of touch. They just are.
1: It's just beating your head into a wall. is just the Vanderbilt way. Defensive it coordinator
0: relies on having equal talent. That's what they do. If you have equal talent, defensive coordinators can work out as head coaches. If you have inferior talent to your opponents, you need to have a unique offensive scheme to succeed. That's it. It's that simple. And right now, Vanderbilt just doesn't have that. So Vanderbilt, I'm locking it in. Where's the Zen? Phoebe's right, covering right, them up.
1: Do we, do we want to do the 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 prediction button as Phoebe's belly right yeah, now? Yeah, Phoebe's is belly is she's going to attack.
0: 31-21, 30, doors fall to the Gators.
1: Oh, she, she attacks. attacks. She attacks. <laughs> she attacks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, what did I say? 24-6? 24-6. All right, Phoebe. I'm going to. There you go. There oh, go. she got There's me There's the again. bite. Right,
0: the Phoebe is not. Is Phoebe's oh, not right. happy about it. Phoebe's predicting a Doors win. So that's I what I'm saying. don't think she is. <laughs> biting us at the loss prediction. She so. Attack. So if anybody's predicting a win, if the Doors pull off the upset, as 18 and a half point underdogs, just know our producer Phoebe. Phoebe the Calico Cat. Phoebe the Calico Cat was on the prediction. Trevor, anything you want to add before we close out episode 241? Nah, dude, we suck, man. I hate football. I hate it. For myself, Will Byram, and my co host, Trevor Hewlin, this has been episode 241 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.